This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again for another episode of your calls and your stories from realghoststoriesonline.com. On today's episode, we'll hear the touching story of a father that sends approval from the other side. We'll talk about a story of a sister that seeks input on her younger sister's nightmares. Our friend Ren from Real Ghost Stories Online Forum wrote in to tell us of a demonic shape shifter. Shape shifter? Shape shifter. from the Philippines. And the story of a haunted rental that holds a sinister surprise. And finally, we hear a different point of view on a shadow people and how one joined a listener's family. That's all today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also write into us through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Before we get to those stories, follow up on some things that we've recently talked about and some letters. I uh, got uh, some response here uh, from a fo- uh, someone on YouTube uh, in response to a seeing of uh, the ghost person that's still alive. We talked about that quite a bit the other night where it was, is that a doppelganger? Is that a astral projection here's what they say Uh, i think the term you're looking for is thought form that's a new one that is a new one uh projected psychic energy which can spontaneously occur during times of emotional distress or the need to let a loved one know you're okay i have read that we unconsciously project these all the time and that they're not usually seen by the human eye this projection of energy usually occurs more in a dream state there have been occurrences when someone sees a loved one who is physically on the other side of the earth and has just died and projected either the spirit or thought form of themselves. Very interesting. So thought form. So is that possibly what what falls into um, the category when we have people that have just passed and you have that one last visit? Is that actually ghost or is that a thought form then? I, I think thought form por- uh, only like works with the living. I'm, from what I understand, maybe I'm wrong. Okay. I just think it adds another <laughs> dimension to. Well, we still don't know what the hell that is. Here's another option. But that's good. It's good. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where you start digging into it, trying to define something, and then it's just you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, and it just keeps projecting out with more and more possibilities. That's good, though. It is. It is. It, it, it seems to be where everything on the show goes. <laughs> Tim writes in, thanks, Tony and Jenny, for reading my little uh, feedback about the Dybbuk box. Your question about American-themed restaurants in Australia says, we have TGIS down here. Uh, and uh, close to where I grew up, there's a bar called Louisiana Tavern, and they sell all types of Southern-style food. It's one of my favorite places to eat out. And also, I've never once in my life ever seen Foster's beer anywhere in Australia, except for as a kid at uh, a Grand Prix. Anyway, keep up the good work. So That's good to know. There you so- go. People go eat. Let's go. Let's go have American food. And I, I got another letter, too, that said that uh, when they visited their friend down under, their friend took them to Lone Star Steakhouse. So they had they got to eat some food that tasted like home. I guess is <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want to do when I go to another country is eat in an American restaurant. Yeah. It's like I'd rather, you know, but, you know, to some, that's what they want to do. You know, I have some family members who when they they go out of town uh, just to visit anywhere, um, 
they want to go only eat at McDonald's or just things that they have in their hometown and they're afraid to like eat out at the regional or local restaurants. To me, that's like half of the experience of going somewhere else is, oh, it is. is yeah. seeing what that area is all about food wise. Yeah, definitely. It's not just God. Let's go into the pizza hut. You know, it's like, oh, because you can get that. at home. that's part of the experience. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Anyway, I think some of their kids to this day still are afraid of like eating at anywhere other than like Pizza Hut. <laughs> really? And they're like in their 30s. So, <laughs> so that's that. Um, I got a letter here and a picture and I posted the picture uh, up on the uh, photo section at realghoststoriesonline.com. I'll read the letter. It says, hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm Jamie Fletcher, the sender of the haunted farm picture. And uh, the ghost in the woods photo, which uh, I'd like to make clear, is 100% not smoker mist. It's the real deal. Because someone uh, had commented the other day that uh, it looked like it was uh, essentially a manufactured photo using a cigarette. Okay. And I said, well, you know, we take people at their word. It, it is what it is. Yes, anything can be manufactured. It's not hard to manufacture ghost photos. Um, but that's not what we're about. If somebody's, you know, duping us, they're duping us, whatever, you know. So we take people at their word. It says, I've got a passion for the paranormal uh, as I've grown up with weird things happening to me all the time. I would never fake a photo like that. Uh, what would I gain from it? Exactly. Anyway, uh, rant over. Haha, the picture I've attached was also taken at the haunted farm on the same night as the blue orb. This is actually my breath. Uh, as I was uh, demonstrating to a new member of the group that you can breathe and it can show up in photos. The strange thing is that my breath appears to have taken the form of the Grim Reaper. Uh, it will. It was not long after taking this picture that our medium told us to leave. What do you make of it? On separate occasions, one of the members who's a firefighter got called out to, uh, of the farm uh, when an arson attack uh, was left uh, left the barn on fire. While the uh, fire brigade was there, one of the firefighters saw a man looking out of a window in the milking parlor, which was also on fire. They all put their breathing apparatuses on and went inside to save him, but there was nobody there. There's only one door into the milking parlor, the one that they used. Thank you for putting my pictures on your website, and thanks for the show. It's great, Jamie Fletcher. That's crazy that that it was that real that they risked their lives to go in and rescue that person. That yeah, wasn't there. I was gonna say that's quite. That's not a good ghost. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's you know any human ghost unless they're really really not a good person would try and summon the living into save it by appearing as a person. That just sounds really dark. Anyway, here's a photo if you want to see it here, Jenny Bruski. Um, he said, "So that's his breath, but look how it." turns into that creepy make of it what you will and then consider some of the the other stories and things that have gone on on that farm and see you know you tell me what you think it's up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com and i believe it's just titled ghost farm photo or something of that nature i put underneath it but you can uh, you can see it up there on the website yeah creepy stuff speaking of uh faking ghosts we were at the uh the halloween store yesterday and they have uh new things you can put in your house because home haunts have become quite the the rage if you will okay um and uh, putting on haunted houses in your house and stuff like that um this thing i'd never seen before and it's really quite creepy uh it's a dvd with looping ghosts so it's images of ghosts and it's just like the image itself there's not like a a background and everything it's it's simply 
uh, a cropped image of a ghost, essentially animated, moving around. That's really, you know, it looks like a ghost from a photo um, that you can use a projector to then shoot onto your windows or onto your wall or whatever you like. And they're really creepy. And that would be a great way to fake a ghost if you wanted to um, or just freak out the neighbors. This sounds like something you want to purchase. It really is. The thing is, I need to get another projector to like just put into a window. You probably get a cheap projector to do just that. But uh, talk about that would be creepy as hell for the neighbors. You don't tell anybody you're doing it. And it's so new that I don't think most people are aware this even exists. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in two, three years, I'm sure it'll be pretty common. You'll be driving by houses and see apparitions in their windows because this is going to be a commonplace thing. But right now, it, you could really freak people out. <laughs> I think we need to get one. I think it'd be really cool. It would be. But uh, I just wanted to share that as far. I mean, the thing is, that would be one of those things where, too, you don't have to Photoshop. You could go out in front of a house, take the picture, and everything in that picture would be completely pixelated correctly. There's no Photoshopping involved. You don't have to be an expert at it to make it look pixelated correctly. It would look like there is an apparition, and there's really no way of proving it's not an apparition. Um, you know, unless you really dissect what's in that window and you can go, oh, no, this is the exact image from that DVD. And unless you made your own image and project. Anyway, <laughs> there's a lot of ways around it, but um, just kind of creepy. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot of fake ghost photos coming out now um, because of, of that being an option out there. Well, I think considering what we do, we ought to have the coolest ghost projection in our window on <laughs> Halloween night. I mean, that's just appropriate. Somebody's going to call the cops. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, there's somebody in their house in the middle of the night and they're showing up. And... Well, I think we turn it off after trick-or-treating's done. That's that's half the fun, though. No. <laughs> so, I don't want to be woken up by the cops. Yeah. Are you aware there's a uh, entity in your window? Um, anyhow, it's pretty creepy. I just thought I'd share. Let's go to a letter that was written to us at realghoststoriesonline.com. Austin writes in, Hey, Tony, it's Austin. Just tried calling you, and the phone call cut off a minute into the story. I don't know why that happens. I looked into that, too, and our phone service is working just fine, so I don't know if there's a... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, cell phones do drop, um, uh, so I, I really I don't know if there's something... You can go to the dark route and go, something's not wanting these stories to get out there. Okay. But I do hear that semi-often. And we have it, too, where we play calls back, and sometimes it's just, calls gone. Yeah. So, anyhow. If uh, that was like the dishes girl you previously had on. Anyway, I'll just type to you. I have a few short stories to tell you guys. So, last night, I was just about to go to bed. I went to go and uh, lock the door. But when I did that, I heard a loud bang on the stool that was next to me. I tried walking around, jumping, but nothing made it bang again. Thought that was interesting. The next short story takes place in the same place, but at a different time. So when we take out our dogs for a walk, we walk past an old school. The school is almost 100 years old. It was built in 1938, and it's pretty old. Anyway, a couple times I walked past it, I saw some creepy things. The first thing I saw was a little girl with long, blonde, curly hair with a dress that looked like it was worn in the Titanic times, and she was holding a stuffed bear. That scared the crap out of me. I looked again, and it was a mailbox. The next thing I saw was a bunch of cultist-looking guys walking towards me. I was ready to turn around when I noticed these were just 
bushes. Maybe I'm just saying things, but to me, it's far more than coincidental. My last short story took place when I was lying in my bed. This last story I've never told anyone until now. My dad used to keep me on a timer while watching YouTube videos before I went to bed. So I was on my iPod watching videos when I saw a hand out of the corner of my eye swing from the left of me. I thought it was my dad trying to take my iPod, but I realized it couldn't have been because lying in my bed to the left of me was only a wall. I was really freaked out and hid under the blankets. Anyway, those are a few short stories. Thank you both again for the show, and I'm hoping to get something from your shop. Still don't know about the phone call, but I'll just type my stories from now on. Thank you very much. I think that's really a detailed description of what he saw for it to see it and then to look back and it be something else. Yeah. To mistake, uh, people for bushes. That's, that's kind of a stretch. So I would think he did kind of see something. I think so. And I think he saw a little girl that ended up being a mailbox, but not really a mailbox. You know what I'm saying? Or not really a little girl. Just to have that vivid of a picture and be able to describe it in that detail. He saw something. Yeah, there was there was clearly something there. It's interesting though, cult figures at a school. That's that's interesting though. Yeah. Although it, he didn't say was it an abandoned school? I didn't get that out of it. I, I don't know if it's abandoned. It was just really old. Okay. I mean, I could see if you know if it's an abandoned building. Yeah, then you can kind of sometimes get cultish figures that use things like that. Um, but uh, I don't know. That was a creepy story. Anything? Anytime you're involving a a haunted school it's usually like yeah yeah amy writes in here's the most dramatic communication that we've had from dad since his death i hope you find it as fascinating as we do in the weeks before my father died he requested that he have a headstone placed in warrensburg new york at saint cecilia cemetery next to his parents headstones it suffices to say that factors conspired against us in getting Dad's headstone in place before the ground was too hard due to winter's approach in 2006. Spring it came and went. Then summer came with it the first anniversary of Dad's death, July 25th. In August of 2007, over a year after Dad had died, my sister Julie put the order in for Dad's stone. The headstone was purchased in August and in place by October 2007. In December of 2007, Julie and her now husband were watching a popular television show called Modern Marvels on History Channel. Modern Marvels is an excellent show that takes a subject like glass or superhighways or avalanches and offers up uh, uh, offers up a treatsy. Is this is what treatsy? Uh huh. That's interesting. Is that like I googled it because I'd never heard it. What's treatsy mean? It means a small, little, informative technical I'd never heard of that thing uh, or like explanation so it's a new word on this subject that is mini education well this particular night the episode was about rocks we in our family are rock hounds to one degree or another we all love rocks my father's family worked in the state quarry of Vermont and it was kind of the family business in my grandfather's generation and before. Perhaps it's genetic. Well, this particular night, Modern Marvels was all about rocks, and eventually in the show, they were highlighting the granite quarries of Vermont and a specific one named Rock of Ages. The show delved into the quarry itself, it being one of the largest known deposits of gray granites on the planet. In fact, the show went on to say, if you've had a headstone made in the United States in the last 50 years, it probably came from that quarry. 
Since her mother's headstone was quarried there, Julie was thinking about her mom's headstone and our dad's. Julie told me later that the show made her wonder whether my father would approve of his headstone. It was so humble, as he had requested, but she wondered anyway whether she would have gotten something more elaborate. I assured her that the stone was exactly what her father wanted. I'm sure that if he thought that his kids were going to be paying for it, he would have insisted on not having one. But he was led to believe his final expenses would come out of his considerable estate. On the program, they showed various headstones in mid-production. The show had headstone, showed how headstones are made. And suddenly, Dad's headstone was shown on the screen. Julie jumped up and said, did you see that? He said, it's your father's name. They were both stunned. And then a couple more seconds, they showed his stone again, this time being sandblasted. And then, just as fast as that, it was over. Neither Julie nor Maurizio could believe their eyes. They wanted to call me, but this was the first airing of the show, and it took place at 1 a.m. The following morning, they called me first thing to tell me the story, and I couldn't believe it either. I thought for sure she was making it up and having some fun with me. I looked it up online and saw the episode was going to be aired again in a few days, so I sent my DVR to record it. In the meantime, Julie ordered the DVD from the History Channel. Julie suggested to me, Amy, what if we get the DVD and it's not there? What do you mean? I mean, what if I made it all up in my head? Yeah, but Maurizio saw it too. I know, but I just have this feeling that it's not going to really be there when we see it again. As you can imagine, it's all we could talk about in those ensuing days. Our friends were stunned and also couldn't believe it. A few days later, the episode was rebroadcast, and even though I was re- uh, recording it, we all gathered at my house to watch. When it came to the segment about Rock of Ages in Vermont, we were all excited, and then boom, there it was. Except it wasn't my father's headstone. It was the design of it on a computer screen. My sister didn't tell me that. She said, headstone. But when I saw that it was on a computer screen, I felt like it was a little nod to me, since Dad was the one who suggested that I study computers when I was in college. And believe me, I'm very grateful for that bit of advice. And a few seconds later, we saw this headstone again being sandblasted, and just as fast, it was gone again, except this time we could rewind and watch it as much as we wanted. And in fact, we did. I still have it on my DVR, even though we have since gotten the DVD. I keep it handy, so when I tell the story, I can show the person the actual segment before Dad died in one of his last conversations to me, knowing that I believe in life after death, and John Edward, the guy that talks to dead people, which, by the way, Dad also believed in before he died, I'm happy to say. Dad said to me, Amy, if there's any way for me to punch my way through from the other side, you know I'll do it. He then proceeded to give me a few statements by which I could be sure that it was him. I've had little messages to my father involving some of those statements, but nothing floored me as much as this modern Marvels episode. Only our dad could pull off such an elaborate hello from the other side. We know that it was him. Our take on it is that he's happy with the headstone that my sister bought him. Well, we have several smaller stories of contact from our dad. This one stands out as the most dramatic and the one with the farest reaching potential so far. The thing that is really amazing is that the episode, as of the writing of this of June 2009, has only aired two times. Had Julie not seen the first one, I'm pretty sure I would not have seen the second one. And since that time, it has not been rebroadcast. We could so easily have missed this show, but we didn't. 
The message was delivered to the people who most needed to see it. Our dad was many things to many people, and we know that he loved us and continues to love us from the other side. And thank you to Amy for writing that story into us. Um, I know that that the story she wrote back in 2009, but it was meant when she did it to just be shared on a family forum. And so she actually sent it to us to, to share, I think exclusively. And so for that, thank you for giving us that. Um, I, I personally have never been a big believer in coincidence. I think Mm -hmm. everything happens for a reason, whether or not we understand what that reason is at the time. And so I really like the story because I really feel like that's exactly what happened is what she thought was that he was kind of giving his approval, I guess, by, by having that hap- that show, you know, sure. I guess by manipulating that to happen. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and you can look at it in different ways of like, well, how would you manipulate, you know, just being having the camera crew there? Well, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was one of those things where he's aware that he happened to have his gravestone filmed and he manipulated the family somehow into watching that episode. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. ways you could look at it, so it makes it a little more simplistic if you think it's too complex or something, but I don't know, everything happens for a reason, I believe, too. And it's one of those things where it's just far too much of a coincidence. I mean, what are the... the if you really look at the odds of that happening... Right. ...of the gravestone being filmed, being shown on TV, and then the family catching it... At 1 a.m. in the morning. Slim to nil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm sure the producers thought the exact same thing when they were putting this together. They're like, well, should we blur the name or should we know? Oh, what are the odds of the person with this one stone seeing this? Sure. Slim to nil. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> they saw it. Well, and so. I think, you know, so much of the time producers are worried about, oh, should we blur it out for privacy or whatever? But I think that really you know, brought some comfort to yeah. Amy and her sister, Julie. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting. You know, I, I totally understand blurring out like the faces of cats and dogs on shows about trailer parks. That makes a lot of sense to me, but headstones, not so much. Okay. You had just had to throw that in there. <laughs> I did. Okay. A little nod to our audience that's into that show, <laughs> which we caught that the other day going, did they just blur the face of a cat out? <laughs> yes. In fact, they did. <laughs> Ah, yes. Let's go to a uh, another letter here. This comes into us from Alyssa. Alyssa says, hey, guys, love the show. And uh, really didn't think uh, I'd have my own story to tell until now. My little sister, who's 11 years old, recently began having trouble going to sleep. Before now, she's never had any trouble and usually feels comforted by the presence of my other sister who shares a room with her. At first, she started having bad dreams and felt uncomfortable by herself. Having stayed in that room at one point in my childhood, I have to say, even though the room is light and airy, I did always get a strange feeling from it. Now, she has started sleeping in my mom and dad's bed, which is something she hasn't done since she was a toddler. When I asked her what was wrong one night, she began hysterically crying. I asked her what was wrong, and she whispered to me, I don't want them to come back. When I pressed her for more, she closed up and continued to cry. I'm unsure how to proceed from here. I'm considered, I considered holding an EVP session while everyone is at school or work, but I'm worried any interaction with the possible entities could only make the situation worse. I'm aware that our home was built on land which may have unmarked graves from many hundreds of years ago. I know my sister and her recent behavior is very unfamiliar. Thanks for your time. Any response would be greatly appreciated. Alyssa. 
I think the phrase, I don't want them to come back, is just as creepy as I see dead people. I think it's right there. I do. I feel for. So what would you do? I would not do the EVP session because for one, you're right. Acknowledging it could make it worse. But then two, if you catch something on there, do you really want to know what it's going to say? Because I think then you're going to go into not only is this one child having nightmares, but then you're going to be freaked out yourself. And I know you want to help, but I don't know that verifying that something there is there is going to actually help Mm -hmm. because either way she's tormented by what's going on at night. Yeah, it's one of those things where simply proving that it's there doesn't really help out a whole hell of a lot. And getting an EVP, I agree, that can that can make it worse in some cases. Yeah, it is acknowledging whatever it is. Um, you know, the I, I, the only thing you know to look into it depends. You know, if you're religious or not, and depends what how, how that falls into your life. Would be trying to cleanse the room of something, or or having someone with some knowledge of how to get something like that out of there, out of there. Um, and taking that route. And again, you are running the risk of stirring it up and it not going, too. But if having it leave is the goal, that really is going to be your best bet, in my opinion. Right. So I would uh, I would look into that within your religious beliefs and community and see where uh, where that falls into uh cleansing that uh, that part of the house or that room or or the whole house itself whatever is, is going on there uh but if your house is built on something like that there may be no cleansing that's going to help you to be quite honest that's true because you're on someone else's turf and she said <laughs> literally she said may or may not i mean she doesn't i honest honestly she doesn't really know but sure. she's open to that idea because it sounds like she's in a area where there might have been something a long, long time ago. Take a look at the burial grounds. Take a look at maps. See if you can prove it. Look at historical records. If you can prove that there is some sort of historical burial ground there, find out who it belonged to also. I mean, that may be an area to explore too. If it's like from a specific group of people or a specific tribe or something of that nature, if it's an Indian burial ground, uh, look at getting in contact with an elder within that community and say, look, here's where we live. We're just kids. We are not in control, you know, or, or our family move. We didn't know this until after the fact. Sometimes within those communities, they can go in and cleanse or help those spirits not essentially torment or whatever the case may be, wherever it's there. That may be another route to take. Sure. Thoughts from the community are welcome. If somebody wants to open that up on the forum for some, some suggestions, uh, for that caller. Let's serve for that letter. Let's go to another letter that's written in from our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And of course, if you have a call or a story you'd like to share with us on a call, you can dial us at 855-853-4802, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to share your real ghost story. Tyra writes in, hello, Tony and Jen. My name's Tyra. I've been a believer of the supernatural for most of my life. When I was a child, my mom had made craft dinners. We're all sitting in the living room eating when my mother told everybody to look. We all turned to look into the kitchen only to see a large spoon slowly stirring the pot 
of craft dinner. What does craft dinner mean? Like craft macaroni and cheese. Is that what she's referring to? That or probably something else made by craft, like a rice-a-roni type product or something. Is this like a big product placement letter for craft? It's not. <laughs> is craft making up ghost stories now? Like, it just happens to be craft. And then we sat down and enjoyed a crisp, clear, refreshing, clearly Canadian. No. I <laughs> okay. think it was just. It just happens to be what a. Yeah. Okay. My mom cooked with cream of mushroom soup with everything. And I bring that up. She's like, I, I, I cooked with more than that. You're right, mom. French onion as well. <laughs> oh, you had it so bad, didn't you? It was horrible. It was just, no. It's a lot of cream of mushroom, though. Just that generation. It was the uh, the casserole generation. Yeah, but you know what? I miss casseroles. I do, too. So there you go. <laughs> I do. Anyway, continuing on with the story. Then it just stopped. And that was it. The spoon was stirring the craft pot dinner. A few years later, I had a friend whose family was like a second family to me. I was at her house almost all the time. It was my home away from home. So it was only natural when they moved. I was the first to volunteer to help. I and my friend were down the hall in a spare room that was being used as storage. We were sitting on the floor packing up some of their stuff when I happened to notice out of the corner of my eye a piece of my hair was sort of just floating in the air. At first, I thought it was just messy hair from all the hard work of packing. I looked at my friend and I said, look at my hair. It looks like someone's holding it up. Just as I said that, a piece of hair just fell. My friend and I looked at each other, both wide-eyed. We said nothing. Just the look on our faces said we both had seen the same thing. We jumped up, ran out of that room so fast our hearts were racing. During this time in my life, I was a big user of the Ouija board. One night I was having a sleepover at my friend's house. I always had a hard time sleeping in her house. Just something about it would keep me awake at night. We all crashed in the living room. My friend and her brother were already asleep. Her mom and I were the only ones left awake. Just as we were about to go to bed, she looked in the kitchen. She says to me in a panicked voice, Do you see that? Do you see that? I looked in the kitchen. There was a beam of light up and down the fridge door. I felt panic rise. I said, What is that? We got up and walked toward it. As soon as we got close, it was gone. I have many more stories to tell, but that's enough for now. Thank you for reading. I love your show. I think that would be very unsettling. I, I have just this mental picture of what she described about the ghost lifting her hair up, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think I don't want anything touching me, for sure. Yeah, that's usually not what you want ghosts to do. No, but it does sound like in those instances, it's just ghosts. I mean, one's helping make the mac and cheese, and then the other's just playing with her hair. Doesn't well, you, sound real yeah. bad. You had the ghost grab your butt at the haunted winery. Yep, sure did. That might have been fun. I think we've already told that story. <laughs> we have. That's fine. Do you not like talking about that story? No, it's just does we've it already told you? it. Does it disturb you? It doesn't. It doesn't, even <laughs> though I was assaulted by a ghost. You weren't assaulted by I a ghost. I know. I'm joking. I know. <laughs> and it didn't force me to drink wine with it. <laughs> no, it was just weird. It was very weird. Would you go back? We've gone back there since, haven't we? No, we've we not gone back there. <laughs> Are we going to ever go back there? Maybe. Okay. We should do a ghost tour there. But you should punch the ghost if he touches me again. <laughs> that usually works out well, punching ghosts. I know. It's, it's always very successful. It's the intent on that one. I see. I didn't know about it till afterwards. You, yeah. didn't, you didn't tell me till... Till we got right in the car. Yep. 
Yeah, I wanted it out of there. Yeah, ghost grabbed my ass. How was the wine, Tony? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was great. What? And I did not have any wine, just so our listeners know. You didn't, no. That it was not that that caused me to feel like my butt was being grabbed. That was interesting. Ren writes in, hey guys, first off, love the show. I too was an old Art Bell lover and I'm currently a member uh, of Coast to Coast and download episodes from time to time. It's uh, not the same, but there's uh, not really any other show like it. But I love your show because I love and am scared to death of good ghost stories. I'm a believer in their existence and I explain in to a more rational friends, maybe it's just a phenomena that science hasn't had a chance to explain yet. Maybe ghosts are an evolved version of us in a dimension we can't see. It's as it's outside our uh, dimension that we know of. Maybe our energy uh, keeps some of our consciousness after we die. Who knows? Until someone proves or disproves it without a reasonable doubt, I'll continue to love and fear ghost stories. Anyway, I'd like to share a really big one from my childhood. I guess as a backstory, I should explain that my family is Filipino. I was the first of my family born here, and it has greatly influenced how I view the paranormal. I believe that these phenomena are more prevalent in third world countries, as they still believe in old folk stories and whatnot. On top of it all, many fam- family, uh, my family was not city-dwelling modern Filipinos. They were farmers in the barrios uh, of the deep country of the Philippines, raising rice and caribou. So, on to a story. Being part of a traditional home, my bedtime was usually pretty early. So early that my favorite shows usually came on after I went to bed. One of those shows was The Wonder Years. When my mom thought I was asleep, most nights it was on. I would watch the show through the keyhole in my bedroom. Well, one night my cousin was visiting. Such was much, uh, she was much older. And it was a night that I was watching TV through the keyhole. The keyhole. She and my mother began trading scary stories and I soon wasn't watching TV anymore. I was completely enthralled in their stories. One story in particular captured my attention the most. It's validated by my mother who helped nurse my uncle back from whatever emotional coma he was in for days after the incident. He was so shaken up that he stayed in bed and wouldn't talk. Eventually, many months later, they got the story from him. So when my mom and her brothers and sisters were kids, they all had a part in the family farm. School was many miles away, and given that most kids had to walk for miles away to attend, it usually didn't start until later in the day. My mom's family would wake up around 4 a.m. in pitch blackness to work in the rice paddies or feed and water the caribou. I'm not sure if caribou is the word I'm looking for, but basically it's a water buffalo used for farm work. So my mom and my uncle split up uh, off to do their chores in the darkness. My uncle says that while he was riding the water buffalo's back, he heard a rustling about 50 feet away. He looks over, and out into a group of trees calmly walks out a dog, black, mangy, and scary looking, eyes reflecting the moonlight. He just stood there, watching him, panting in the humid morning air. He didn't give it much thought until it growled and started slowly stepping towards him in a casual, stalking walk. Where he was at was covered with lots of trees, so imagine the moon is almost set and at an angle, so it was hitting a row of trees so that their shadows fell across the path of the dog, so it would 
be a tree shadow, moonlit patch of dirt, tree shadow, patch of dirt, etc. As a dog walked toward my uncle, it would disappear every time it crossed the tree shadow. It would emerge into the moonlight again, with one big difference. Every time it came out of the darkness and into a new moonlit patch of dirt, it was a completely different animal. So first it was a dog, then disappear into a shadow of a tree, only to reemerge as a water buffalo. Then it would disappear again, it would appear as a pig, all the while walking towards my uncle. It was a dog, a water buffalo, a pig, a snake, and finally a goat. The whole time my uncle was frozen with fear, crossing himself many times trying to protect himself as he spouted prayer after prayer. And he finally lost it when the goat was ten feet away from him, and it was then that the goat spoke his name. In a regular, deep voice, the voice of a man. At that, my uncle screamed, jumped off the water buffalo, and ran blindly through the brush towards home. My mother found him in a fetal position not too long after, crying and talking to himself as he stayed for many days after till he snapped out of it. They never found the water buffalo he was riding, which was no small thing, as every one of them was worth a lot to the family. So you know, they spent a good long time trying to find it, I'm guessing whatever my uncle saw may have eaten it or did something else horrible to it. So that's my ghost or demon story. I think it was a malevolent being or whatever you want to call it. God knows what it had plans for my uncle. Anyway, keep up the good work. I love the addition of your wife to the show. I enjoy the shows immensely. Ren, thank you. And thank you, Ren. Ren's one of our regulars on the forum yeah. see him post quite a bit so I recognize the name uh, I don't think things ended well for the water buffalo <laughs> don't think so no I think he got eaten by a whatever it was dog pig goat shapeshifter thing well those things are very common around here you know I think it was probably designed to confuse his uncle I think probably confuse and entrance mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of captivate his attention. Yeah. Because had it just been a goat or any one of those animals that was slowly walking through the shadows, he was like, oh, it's an animal. You know, yeah. but hey, it's, it's changing shape. Oh, I'm going to pay attention to this thing and, and try it. It basically allows it to get closer to the person. So it's probably a good thing that the uncle ran. Sure. And... You know, not the harp on the water buffalo thing, but that's a big animal for one to not see mm-hmm. anything left of. And, you know, I guess they can move fairly fast, but you would imagine that somebody would have found it. It, it can't mm-hmm. like take off like a cheetah. So, well, I mean, if it got so spooked, though, I mean, I could see it where it may have just taken off, you know, and that's just true. gotten so far, you know, maybe way, way far away and, you know, got injured somewhere way beyond their their land because it was so spooked. I mean, that happens with animals, with cows and things of that nature. If they get spooked, they'll take off. Yeah. Um, They'll break fences, too, um, just to get to if they get too spooked. Um, There's my parents have stories of uh, right after they had gotten married, um, they were living pretty close to a farm pasture and something spooked a herd of cows. And one morning they woke up to cows looking in their windows. Oh, Wow. That would freak me out. Yeah, and, and they had gotten spooked, and they all left the pasture and somehow ended up on their land. <laughs> I was like, oh, that'd be a great... So I, I remember asking my, my dad to tell me that story many times when I was a kid because I found it so 
uh, enjoyable to hear the story of the cows looking through the window in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture my mother's reaction to this old, David, there's cows in the window again. <laughs> you know, it would just be entertaining. So. Anyway, if you have a real ghost story, we'd love to hear it. You can write in uh, on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Of course, you can call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week at uh, 855-853-4802. If you're not an EPP yet, please consider becoming one. That's uh, the way that you can help support the show. It's only $5 a month, and uh, you get the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping the show going, because without our EPPs, it would not be happening. Uh, so please become part of that to allow us to continue doing the show. Uh, and you also get a bonus episode. We email an extra episode every single week to our EPPs, and it only goes out to them. It's a full-blown, really good episode. We try to make it as good as we possibly can as a thank you uh, for being a supporter of the show. So please check that on the website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Kendra writes in, my ghost story is actually my sister's ghost story, though I witnessed some of it as well. My sister and her boyfriend were trying to find a house to rent as they had a large dog and wanted a yard for it to run around. In. They also had some pet rabbits and wanted to build an outdoor enclosure for them. They finally found a small bungalow home for rent as it was very affordable and near the places of work. They moved in right away and got settled. This wasn't the nicest of homes, but it was close to everything and cheap. They found it a little odd as the layout was strange. You walked into the living room and there were two rooms with doorways right on the wall. What was odd was that you had to step up to go into the bathroom and to the bedroom from the bathroom. There was only a curtain. My sister had a hard time getting the place into a livable environment. They had to buy so many extra lamps as no matter how much light they had, it just seemed so dark. After a while, odd things started happening. My sister would come home to see a light on. She'd go in and the light would be off as soon as she came in. She would also find all of her drawers removed and lying all over the floor. She and her boyfriend could never figure out what was going on, and no one broke in or anything. Soon their animals started behaving strangely, and their rabbits died. The dog refused to settle and would cower on our laps whenever we visited. One night I was visiting, and I went to pull out a can of uh, Pepsi on the coffee table, and it slid in the other direction. I thought it was weird, but figured it was the house tilting in the other direction or just moisture. I put the can on the opposite side and it slid again. The house could not be tilted in both directions. My sister's boyfriend was woken one night with a feeling that he was being choked. He couldn't call out. He figured it was a dream, but found his neck very red and marked in the morning. So yeah, that's not sleep paralysis when you have choking marks on your neck. Late at night... On another night, they both woke up to find flashing green lights swirling above their bed. They looked over and found that their curtains were bent up and horizontal. They were terrified, began looking for a new rental as soon as they could. Luckily, they found a suite to rent right away. They said they were packing up to move. My sister was vacuuming. The carpet pile was long, and she had to stop and start. She noticed that the floor felt weird, like it was lower in one part. She lifted up the edge of the carpet and found another carpet underneath. What was really odd was that the large circle had been cut out of it, and the new carpet was just laid on top. Very odd. After they moved out, we went to the library to research the property and found out that a man had stabbed his girlfriend to death, and she died from blood loss. I guess they just cut 
out the carpet, laid down a new one, and rented it out. Very odd. The house was torn down recently because it just wouldn't sell. So that makes me wonder if the haunting was because of the person that died there or if there was something going on beforehand that caused the boyfriend to lose it and stab the girlfriend. Some sort of malevolent possession-like spirit. Maybe. That continues to do things to people. Like an Amityville type thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that could very well be the case. I would just be horrified to find that hole in the carpet and then to research it and... I mean, that has to be what it was. It makes you wonder how often uh, you got things that happen in homes and it's simply carpeted over. Yeah, that's true. You know, you worked in the world of carpet for a while. Yeah. Did you ever get any uh, questions or anything like, ah, you know, what do you got that can really cover up a mess, you know, or, or anything of that nature that... You know. No, because we were in the business of selling carpet, so we could hook sure. them up with some brand new rug. Yeah, and pretty much any carpet would cover up anything. Was there any like carpets that like came with like scent that were like scented that would help mask previous scents? Did that exist? There was an odor absorbing carpet. Okay, it had a treatment on it. Um, I think it was called Magic Fresh on the treatment, and it helped with. Rentals, you know how sometimes over time they just get to where yeah. your carpet will smell like like your stuff, or like when you move into a new, not a new house, but mm-hmm. a house that's new to you, and it smells like the previous owner. It was designed to help absorb those odors. Okay. Um. So I don't remember selling a whole lot of it because for one, people were kind of leery of a carpet that was treated with something other than Scotch Guard. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We did a lot of rentals though. The division I worked for mainly focused on doing rentals and and insurance repair. Sure. Never did any murder repair, though. (laughs) We got a murder repair we need to do here. Um, That's interesting. And seriously, I I mean, because there's a certain point, you know, especially if there's like a body or something that's on the ground and there's blood, it goes through the carpet. Yeah. It's going to go into the floorboard. Yeah. So I'm guessing a lot of time the floorboard's not being replaced. Probably not. I'm guessing a lot of time. I mean, your carpet, sure, that's going to be ripped up and taken out. But unless you're going to cut that board out, which I'm guessing they're they're not going to do in most cases. They're just going to try and clean it as best you can. But I'm thinking blood, it sticks. It's in there. It's not coming out unless you rip that board out and replace it. Well, you'd be surprised how many people don't just replace the pad when they get new carpet. Really? The pad still? Yeah. Yeah, they'll reuse the pad. And see, the thing that's is... That's gross. That's like where most of the... Anything my, that's gone in is is in. My analogy is, that's like changing your clothes every day, but never changing your underwear. It's the same thing. Well, I don't see that being that's a bad... I'm kidding. Jeez. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that's... God. I don't know. <laughs> They think they're going to save a buck, and so they don't change their pad. And like, just yeah. thinking of all those years of rental, what was underneath those carpets? Ah, uh, or that one that apartment. I didn't live in the uh, that that apartment, but there was in that complex where there was a woman who had her head chopped off. I'm thinking there was probably a lot of blood involved there. I think there was extensive repair. But do you, I'm wondering if the the floorboards, if you dig deep down underneath that carpet, there's still something there. 
Oh, I bet you they kills, you know, that kills primer that seals off stuff. Well, you can paint over it. I bet you they kills over it, put pad and carpet on it. I bet you that's what they did. That didn't mean you didn't get rid of it, though. It's still there. Yeah, but it kind of, I guess, Masks seals it? it off. Yeah. Interesting. Anyone ever move into a, a home or an apartment, rip up the carpet when you're doing your renovations and find a real questionable stain? I'd love to hear some of those stories if anyone's got... I imagine there has to be some. There was, there was a, a house near where I grew up, and it was probably just an urban legend. Um, and it was abandoned for several years, but the rumor was... Uh, it, it was half urban legend, half true story. There was a murder in the house. Um, and there, someone did die. They got shot. The rumor was that there was a bullet hole that was still... That actually went through the floor. And that no one moved into this house afterwards did become abandoned. Um, and then in, the rumor was people in high school would go into it. Again, you can still see the bullet hole in this floor. Now go, I, so I don't know. I've never been in the place. And it has since actually, it's turned into a cute little home. Somebody bought it years later and it's a, someone's residence now. But that was always the rumor was that there you could see some blood stains and the bullet hole through the floor. Yeah. yeah. And now it's a cute little quaint Victorian home. <laughs> With three kitties. Uh, Nikki writes in, I recently stumbled upon your podcast while looking for current information on shadow people. I sat and listened to your June 19th episode attentively while at work. I decided I'd share our story. Now, before I share our story, I feel like it's important to say, I know evil. I've lived with it. And I feel it's important for me to say I'm taking a drink of water quickly before I continue on with the story. It's another story that I'll write in about, but just to make the point before I write about this story, I do know evil and the uneasy feelings that come with living with it under our story. Up until recently, everything I knew about shadow people came with books, podcasts, even unsolved mystery episodes as a child. I don't ever recall reading anything positive. Everything I've ever come across has related them to being malevolent. They're evil entities with red eyes and ill intentions. Some wear hats, some are blobs, but never do I hear anything positive. Well, three months ago, I moved in with my boyfriend. We have a cute but dated apartment in Paddle Lake, Wisconsin. For those not familiar with the area, it's known as The County. It's a cute and quaint little town. Not very eventful. And I'm pretty sure it's one of those places where everyone knows your business. I'm originally from the suburbs of Chicago, so it's a big change for me. Regardless, I like it here. Not long after we started moving in, my stuff started, and I started having encounters with our own resident shadow man. I can't sit here and explain how we know it's a man. We just do. He's a featureless, blurry oval of black. He has no hat, no glowing eyes to speak of, and for reasons that I, again, can't explain, I like to call him Hal. My first encounters with Hal were in the kitchen. I'd be in there cooking or washing dishes. My back turned to the entryway, and I'd feel a presence approaching me. At first, I'd smile and turn to kiss my boyfriend, which I assumed was coming to see what I was up to. I'd turn around to throw my arms around him, and there would be no one there. This would happen a few more times before Hal decided to let me in on the joke. Finally, one day, I'm in the kitchen washing dishes, feel someone behind me, so I turn around, and this time I see a black blur dart out of the kitchen. Now that the secret was out, 
The weeks that followed would have me seeing Hal walking into the bathroom, down the hall, into the children's bedrooms. My son is six. My boyfriend's daughter is eight. The kitchen, whenever I was cooking, something that intrigued him. And then one day, peering into our bedroom as we were having a serious discussion. I had just miscarried and my boyfriend was consoling me. Then, out of the blue, he looks away from me, points at the door and exclaims, Not now. We're trying to talk. Go somewhere else. The kids were out of town with their respective grandparents, so I looked up to see who he was talking to, only to see a blur rapidly disappear. I look at my boyfriend, and as I'm dying my eyes to ask, or as I'm drying my eyes to ask, you see him too? This led to an entirely different discussion as we began to talk about our shadow man. He'd go on to tell me that he's always been there. The kids have seen him, and he's harmless. I sat there completely shocked that here, the whole time, I was trying to stay quiet about it so no one thought I was crazy. And here, it was common knowledge in our home. Later that day, I would go on to talk to Hal. I realize they say that you never acknowledge a ghost, but Hal never made me feel uneasy, so... A talk was not only acceptable, but necessary. After all, if I was going to share my home with him, we should establish a mutual respect and understanding with one another. I sat down on the couch in our living room, looked around, waited a few minutes to see if he'd reappeared. Nothing. So I glanced around and called out, Excuse me, Mr. Shadow Man, we need to talk. No need for you to appear. All I ask is that you listen and you don't speak back because you'll freak me out. I paused a moment, then went on to speak. First of all, I'll apologize for Jay's yelling at you earlier. You see, we've been struggling to get pregnant, and you may or may not have heard me scream and cry. I miscarried. We're losing the baby we fought so hard for. We didn't mean to be short with you, but it was a private moment that we needed to have before we shared it with you or anyone else. I paused again to let Hal absorb and understand that, yes, I was talking to him. And I continued, I understand that this is just as much your home as it is ours, and I'm okay with that as long as we can come to a common place of respect and understanding. Rule number one, no bullying. We are a zero-tolerance home. No harm comes to anyone in this house. So scaring by speaking, opening or closing doors, or pulling any crazy ghostly nonsense. We are a bully and scare-free home, and I'm asking you to respect that. In turn, so long as we live here, we too will respect you. Rule number two, I see you like to go into the children's bedrooms. As we've agreed that I can't handle you talking, I will assume that you are simply checking on them. Please recall rule one and know that if you want to check on them, Jay and I are okay with that, but try to keep yourself from being seen by them. Rule number three, privacy. I want privacy when in the bathroom and when our bedroom door closes. I'm sorry, but not all things are meant to be shared. Rule four, you are living with a Greek and an Italian. There are crosses and rosaries all over this home. Don't turn them upside down nor drop them on the floor. You will be asked to leave. And finally, rule five, I can't call you the shadow man because it freaks me out. So I'm going to call you Hal because you feel like a Hal. Now, Hal, all I ask is that you respect these five simple rules and I promise you we'll get along just fine. Since our talk, Hal has continued to live and go about his business in a peaceful and respectful manner. He doesn't scare our kids, leaves everything in its place, never speaks, and we all get along just fine. When I'm home alone, I politely greet him, uh, rhetorically ask how his day had been, and reply with, I hope it's treating you well. And then, 
I ask that he not let me see his shadow because I'm a baby when Jay isn't around. Thus far, he's obliged. We've told a few of our friends and have been given the warning of it's evil and pretending to be nice. It feeds off negative energy. But we wholeheartedly disagree. He's Greek, I'm Italian, and Irish. When we actually do fight, it's explosive. And how? Well, he hides for days. He doesn't come around when we fight, and then he waits a few days, and we see him almost peering from around corners of our home, ensuring it's safe to come out. So overall, I don't think all shadow people are bad. Hal has been in my life for a little over three months now, and he's been very respectful. The funny thing about Hal is we see him most when the kids are gone. He goes in and out of their rooms constantly checking for them. For us, the shadow man isn't malevolent. He's a respectful house guest, and truthfully, I feel safe at night knowing he's around watching over us. Who needs ADT when you have Hal? It almost sounds like it's kind of almost childlike. The way it is afraid of them. Yeah. And the way it keeps going in the kids' rooms, like it wants to hang out with the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a full-size shadow person that, you know... Could be a kid. It, yeah. I don't know. So it's kind of an oval shape. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could see it being just an entity of some sort that you know, resembles the shadow man or those you know, shadow people, but interesting that it it sounds like it was probably a human spirit at one point in time yeah i think so that for whatever reason is still on that property and not moving along i like how she laid down the law and she's like if you're gonna be here you gotta follow these rules sit there and reason with the shadow man it works it works it works it works you know i guess that's you know how you have to look at it thank you for the story really do appreciate that our phone number 855-853-4802. Please call in and share your real ghost stories with us. It's a fast track to getting on the air. And uh, like I said earlier, if you like the show, if you're new to the program uh, and you listen a couple days a week or maybe every day of the week obsessively, uh, think about doing a little bit on the kitty and helping keep the show going. Uh, It's only five bucks a month. You become an EPP. It's an extra podcast person is what we call it. Uh, And you get an extra show. We email to you and there'll be some other extras throughout the year as well as a thank you for helping support the show. You can become an EPP through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Thank you so much if you've already become one. Uh, And if you're not one yet, please please think about doing that. Like I said, through the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. So until next time, for Jenny Brewski, I'm Tony Brewski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.